Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Talkin' Movies. I'm Max. I'm Tim. And uh, today we're going to talk about Deliverance. Deliverance. <laughs> Deliverance. Woo. Represent. Um, yeah, this is the first uh, movie of the new month of November 2013. We don't have a theme yet. Oh, we'll get one. <laughs> Did you have any ideas after watching the movie? A few. Let's let's see where this conversation takes us. <laughs> well, <Okay>. all right then. <laughs> um, we're actually recording this on the first of November. Um, so yesterday was Halloween. How was your Halloween, Tim? Uh, it was okay. Um, I went to the library and. Did some homework. That's boring. Yeah. Um, I made sure that I was out of my house before any trick-or-treaters came because I would feel bad if they came looking for candy and I don't have any candy. Um, Do you get trick-or-treaters out where you live? I don't know. I've never been home on Halloween in the four years that I've lived there. I can't imagine that there'd be a lot of, that there'd be a high traffic trick-or-treater zone. I mean, it's for where I live. It's like the center, but... um yeah, I mean, I guess you do have neighbors, and, like, it just seems like a weird place to walk. Yeah, my cousin uh, lives in Stony Creek. Um, Creek? Yeah, which is, like, half an hour northwest of where I live, and she always would bring her daughters to Southlands Falls to go trick-or-treating. Yeah, I um, have a cousin who lives in North Creek. <laughs> North Creek. As us humans call it. <laughs> I say North Creek, but people in Stony Creek say Crick, so I say Stony Creek. So I say Stony Creek. I say Stony Creek. Um, no, he used to, well, at least there was one Halloween where he came to uh, Southlands Falls and did trick-or-treating there. Because there just aren't a lot of neighbors up in that, up in those parts. Yeah. It's quite desolate. Kind of like <laughs> the movie we're about <laughs> to discuss. Well played. But no, you didn't go see uh, Rocky Horror? No, I was thinking about it, and then I was like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I love Rocky Horror, and I've seen it with audiences a couple times. So I was, I don't know. I eh, wasn't feeling it. I mean, I was available. I could have gone if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't want to? <laughs> no, I've just been so busy running around every day for the last like you know i don't know month that it was nice to kind of just like take the day off so my girlfriend kayla and i just laid in bed and ate candy and watched some horror movies we watched four movies actually what movies we watched the director's cut or the so-called director's cut of army of darkness okay which um you know, it's debatable, I guess, if is how much of a horror movie it is, but it's a monster movie. Yeah, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I'm a big Evil Dead fan, and I always kind of like dismiss Army of Darkness in a way because I I prefer the Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Yeah. So I hadn't really watched it in in a long time, um, but I really really enjoyed it. It's I've, I I kind of remember just how much fun of a movie it is. Now, spoiler alert. Um, the director's cut is that the one where in the end they're like they go back to like his store or something. And there's like a, the monsters like follow him to the store. No, that's the theatrical that's version. That's the theat- Okay. The director's, <clears throat> the director's cut. And see, I don't know exactly like why it's called the director's cut because I feel like it's more of an alternative version of the movie, or like an earlier version. Yeah. I don't think it's something that it's like oh Sam Raimi prefers this version over the theatrical. But the the director's cut ends with uh, Ash waking up in, like in, in, in the, the apocalyptic future. Okay, that's the one I've always seen. And really? I've seen... I'm not sure if I've seen the whole, like, store ending. I've definitely seen parts of it. That's bizarre. Oh, wait, yeah, my friend Glenn. He's, he, well, Nick, but I always called him Glenn. Um, he lent me his copy that he taped off Comedy Central when we were in high school. And he was like, no, here's, like, the real ending. And it was, like... So I did I did see the store ending. I mean the store ending that's like I mean that's the you know 
Hail to the King, baby. That's where that line comes from. That's in there earlier. No, he says, give me some sugar, baby, earlier. So why do I know Hail to the King, baby? Because it's just, you know. But I know him saying it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like in in that ending when he's in the store. Maybe it's in the trailer or something. Yeah, I definitely heard him saying it. I don't know. That's strange that you know the not the real ending. Well, when Anchor Bay was they they started coming out with all their like clamshell VHS um when they were first started putting out DVDs in like late 90s early 2000s. Um I would go to Sam Goody. Uh ah, Sam Goody. Yeah. <laughs> and um you know, they would have, like, the different things there. They'd have, like, oh, Army of Darkness, director's cut, Army of Darkness, theatrical cut, or the Army of Darkness, whatever. Like, how many different versions of each of them? And I'm like, oh, whichever one is, like, the best, I'll get that one. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that was a director's cut, then. I actually prefer the, the director's cut ending more. Because it keeps the, keeps the story going, you know? Mm. Instead of just kind of ending it. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, you know, we watched that, and it was it, with all this talk about uh, the possible Army of Darkness two that is supposedly maybe could be happening. <sighs> um, I mean, I feel like I hear these rumors all the time. Every at least every year, the Army of like, Darkness was like twenty years ago, and I feel like I've been hearing about that for twenty years. Yeah, it's just, it just keeps on going, but. But now, like, I, you know, they say, like, oh, no, 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 a script is being written and Bruce Campbell is, <laughs> you know, on board. But it's the kind of thing I'll believe it when I see it. But, yeah, so anyway, we watched that and then we watched uh, Pumpkinhead. Nice. Which I I had seen that before a couple times. Um, I, I really like that movie. Um, I think the first half of it is just really fantastic. Um and really, you know, it hits you right in the knows how to pull your pull yeah. your heartstrings, you know. It was like we were talking about with Carrie, like it's one of those it takes the time to um develop the characters before yeah. it throws the horror at you. Totally. Um but the second half of the movie it kind of I don't know, it kinda of loses interest for me, or it loses steam, I guess, when you're dealing with all like the teens as they just are killed one by one and they're all kind of just running around aimlessly yelling for each other yeah but at the same time like i mean the the creature pump of pumpkin head is interesting enough on its own that uh you know that that's worth it just just to see him in action because he just looks so awesome stan winston yes Woo. so then we watched uh kill baby kill the uh mario bava movie which I had never seen before. <gasps> have you seen it? I have. Have you seen Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow? Yes. Did you catch all the similarities between them? I didn't. I didn't really think about it. Uh, but I mean, now that you mention it, yeah. I mean, the doc, you know, doctor shows up wanting to do an autopsy, and the town is like, no, no, it's against nature. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't. I don't mean that like in a in a dig at Sleepy Hollow either. No, I haven't no, seen it a long mean, time. I remember really liking it. Um, but yeah, it I like just, Sleepy Hollow. I mean, there's a lot of Baba influence in a lot of Tim Burton movies. What do What do you think about Kill Baby Kill? Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. I really loved it when I watched it. Um, mm. It's been like five or six years probably since I've watched the whole thing. I didn't really care for it that much, actually. Hmm. I feel like I've seen, I mean, I've seen a few um, of Baba's movies, um, Black Sunday, and uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I feel Bay like of, didn't did you watch Bay of Blood with us? Oh yeah, Porsches? yeah. I feel like the the um, I don't know. I feel like I've seen a lot of the kinds of things going on in Kill Baby Kill um, before. And it just, uh, I mean, there are some really great things about it. There are certain sequences that are really very cool and lots of really cool cinematography. But as a story, it just seemed, I don't know, I didn't care for the story that much. In the late 80s, 
uh, I think it was 86, but I'm not sure, in an issue of Monthly Film Bulletin, uh, Kim Newman wrote an article. It was like a three-part article, like the history of Italian genre films, and he referred to Kill Baby Kill as the first giallo fantastico, which is basically a giallo, like Italian murder mystery. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more to it, but I'll just say Italian murder mystery. Um with like supernatural overtones, which there aren't there aren't many of. Um I would throw Suspiria into that genre. Um, but like Kill Baby Kill, according to him, was the first. I haven't seen any earlier than that. I think that was sixty six. But um yeah. Just throwing that out. Yeah, sixty six, yeah. Um Yeah, there I mean there are some really, really cool stuff in it. Um and certain things were genuinely creepy. Like the little girl was, uh, I like how sometimes you just pan over and she'd just be, you know, <laughs> sitting there. Um, like there, there's a one shot where it's like the POV of, of the girl, like on the swing. Yeah. And like, I'm not exactly sure how they did that exactly, but, um, it just had a really cool look to it. Was it like, um, I don't remember that shot. Um, huh. Have you seen Murders in the Rue Morgue with Lugosi? Um, uh, maybe like seven years ago. So it's right. been kind yeah. of a long there's, time. There's a scene with um, this girl on a swing, and it's like they attach the camera to the swing, sort of. So it's like swinging with her. It's kind of like, like it's kind of like that, yeah. But I think they're also like zooming in and out okay. as we're like kind of swinging. Um, I mean, you gotta love all the zooms. Yes, in those uh, in those movies, I I really like them. It adds a certain flavor. Well, then we capped off the night with uh, <laughs> Child's Play Two. That was the first Child's Play I'd seen. Oh yeah, yeah. I had never seen this one. I before that I had only ever seen the first Child's Play, and parts of Bride of Chucky. But um. Oddly enough, I, for some reason, I enjoyed that one the most last night. Um, and I always kind of dismissed the, the, the Chucky or Child's Play series as kind of like, oh, that's just silliness. Sort of like, you know, like Leprechaun or yeah, just these kind of over-the-top sort of things. But that, that stuff can be fun, and I, I enjoy it. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I had fun watching it. So yeah, that was our uh, that was our Halloween playlist. I'm trying to remember what kind of I watched mix. on Halloween, even though it was just yesterday. <laughs> um, I did. I, what is it? Oh, um, The Walking Dead. Um, it's a Michael Curtiz film from 1936 with Boris Karloff. <laughs> Not the TV of, show. Of course, you wouldn't yeah. be anything modern or anything <laughs> hip and cool that all I, the kids are watching nowadays. <laughs> I, well, just, I mean, I don't know. I, I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I'm sort of behind the times with technology. And about a month ago, I finally figured out how to do DVR. <laughs> Tim's like, what's this Walking Dead I've heard so much about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I still haven't watched the show Walking Dead, although I own the first season on DVD. Um, oh, well, then you have no excuse. Yeah, no, none at all. I, um, <laughs> well, this is coming from someone who, like, I don't, I don't watch the show either. I've seen the first season. Yeah. Um, I think the pilot is fantastic, but I don't know. The, the, as the first season went on, it just kind of it felt like it was just kind of treading, treading water and not really didn't know where it was going. And I've heard that, like, the show gets a lot better as it goes. But, um, yeah, I still haven't seen anything past yeah. the, the first season. Well, the movie The Walking Dead is completely unrelated to that. Aside from the fact that somebody who was once dead is now walking. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of it has, like, the same storyline as a lot of other movies from, like, the late 30s and 40s and 50s. and um, Like, The Monster and the Girl, where someone is executed for a crime they didn't actually commit and then some scientist is like well wait let me take this body mm-hmm. and um and i'll try and help him out and in this one in the monster and the girl they take his brain and put it into the body of a gorilla but in this movie they just revive him and so you get boris karloff as like a reanimated corpse but not like just 
you know, shuffling around with his arms outstretched trying to kill people. He's actually just like himself alive again. Right. Just yeah. brought back to life. That's uh, cool. And it's directed by Michael Curtiz. So there's a lot of so great it's as good as Casablanca. Uh, yes, as good as Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's better than Yankee Doodle Dandy, but not as good as Casablanca. Um, a lot of great uh, shadows and angles and a lot of cool transitions. Um, really long dissolves for that time. Um, I don't know. I like Curtis. And it's, it's Warner Brothers, which is why it's Curtis. Oh, so cool. it has that kind of like, you've got your wisecracking gangsters and stuff mixed mm. into it. That's cool. So. Oh, and I watched um, later on, after I was done doing homework, um, <laughs> I went over to my sister's and uh, she'd never seen Slither. And I think Slither is amazing. <laughs> I, I made her watch saw Slither. part of Slither. Um, some of some of uh, some of the guys watched it. I think last year. And when I say the guys, I mean uh, over at the Phelps house. And I think Chris was saying that it was that he enjoyed it. Good. So. <laughs> yeah, I I want to check that out at some point. We also went on YouTube and watched the Halloween that almost wasn't. With um, Judd Hirsch as Dracula, which is just like amazing. Is it? Uh, what what is it? Exactly? It's uh, this live action TV special from. Okay, I was gonna say, is it some TV thing? Because yeah. it sounds like a TV. Yeah, it's like special. the late seventies. It's like it was half an hour, so on YouTube, it's twenty four minutes and something gotcha. seconds, and just we watched it a lot growing up. Maybe if you watch it for the first time now, it might not be that great, but it was has some nostalgia value yeah and it's got a couple people who i didn't know who they were at the time but now like um um henry gibson plays dracula's hunchbacked assistant igor i didn't know who henry gibson was then but now i've seen the long goodbye in nashville and um it's just it was weird seeing him in that part and jack riley is the mummy and he was like he was in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and he was on a lot of episodes of Bob Newhart Show, and Painless from MASH, uh, the Altman movie, not the show. He plays Frankenstein's monster. I don't know. It was a fun time. <laughs> cool. Well, so I guess that closes out our uh, our horror theme. Because right. we kind of missed a week in there, so it's nice to kind of yeah. do get a little bit more there are some people who consider deliverance a horror movie i don't know if i do it definitely um influenced a lot of horror films such as carrie apparently which we've already talked about yeah and i was when that shot came (laughs) i was a little like oh okay that was i didn't think about it at the time but um actually just before we recorded um i went to the bathroom and i started thinking about that and i remember and then i yeah i remember the carry connection i was like oh i guess it was that shot is what they were referring to that always happens whenever i go to the bathroom i always start thinking about hands coming up out of the water <laughs> yeah because you're afraid they're gonna yeah come out of the <laughs> toilet bowl <laughs> all right um, <laughs> um yeah so uh so deliverance um i guess uh spoiler alert we're gonna talk about the whole thing What'd you think? You hadn't seen it before. Nope. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I did too. I, I didn't think it was like an amazing film, um, but like I, I enjoyed watching it. It's a beautiful looking film. Oh yeah, definitely. It um, it really captures the environment and just the location really, really well. Yeah, it was shot by uh, Vilmos Zsigmond. I saying that wrong. Vil, Vil, Vilmos Zsigmond maybe sure i don't know uh who uh like six years later won an oscar for close encounters and um oh. he did uh, i think he did the long goodbye and he's done a lot of stuff that i can't remember right now um yeah just all this sh- like it made me want to go to that yeah. place yeah totally even though <laughs> <laughs> like when they're when they first start out on their sort of canoe adventure you know watching it i was like I want to go canoeing in the down a river, you know, cause they're just having so much fun and it's just, it's so beautiful. And 
you really they they did a good job of making it feel like this was this sort of undiscovered river that is is yeah. off somewhere that nobody knows about and it's you know just totally and we'll secluded soon, from everything and soon no one will ever get to go to it cause... right yeah it's soon to be wiped off the face of the earth and it's just uh yeah it it, it makes you want to go out into the woods and <laughs> even though there's enough. terrifying things out there <laughs> yeah but at the beginning the, you know the and i i really wish that i had seen the movie without knowing anything about it yeah because you know? I, I definitely would not have seen that coming totally the, yeah um, i assume you're talking about the rape yes the rape yes <laughs> would not have seen that coming nope. um it would i think it would have been far more shocking i can only imagine what it would would have been like for people going to see it who maybe didn't know anything about it in 1972 yeah when i can't think of any movie that i've seen pre-1972 that features that kind of uh you know graphic rape on screen especially with male on male. Uh, yeah male on yeah. Ma- especially that do you know of anything that's that even comes close to it or is is as not no not that i can think of yeah not uh not male on male what's interesting i was just I guess through the 60s and stuff, there were, you know, a lot of, uh, especially in horror films, there were depictions of rape, for sure. In yeah, sort and of more like the sensationalized like the, um, kind of... More in some of, like, the roughies, like the sexploitation films, yeah. where they were adding a lot of violence in there, and it was weird, like, there was a, there were certain censorship things to get around, it's like, well, we can't show sex as, like, a positive thing, but we can show sex if people are being raped, and it's a bad thing, and, like... So people would go and watch rape and get off, which is disturbing that's, to think of the morality behind that. Yeah, that's. Just I mean, awful. not show sex, but I mean, like you know, to the extent that they. Could yeah, and, that, and I guess that's the irony is that like those movies weren't really portraying it as the, they weren't portraying sort of like the realism of it, which is what Deliverance was kind of. Yeah, it's horrifying. And yeah, like the Ned Beatty's face for like the whole argument after when the one guy is killed and the other guy runs off mm-hmm. and then the the four like main protagonists are there and they're arguing ned Beatty's is just like silent for so much of that and yeah. this, his face is just so scary to see like what's become of him like especially <laughs> since like my one kind of my only uh <laughs> previous experience with ned Beatty as an actor is from the superman films as the bumbling oaf uh, Otis, Lex Luthor's, you know, lovable sidekick, you know. Hey, Mr. Luthor! <laughs> who, do they ever explain who Otis is in those movies? He's just, he's just there? He's just or is there. He, Him and Miss, no origin uh, story for Otis. Tess Mocker. They're just Lex's <laughs> lackeys that for some reason he keeps around, even though they're just completely incompetent and stupid and ruin everything that he tries to do. Yeah, I think I, I know Ned Beatty mostly because of um, the show Roseanne, because he was uh, Dan's father, and he was great on that. Um, yeah, I think that's what I mostly know him for. Well, I mean, now I know him from, you know, he was in Nashville, and he has that great one scene in Network um, where he just, like, screams at Howard Beale, which is just a few, it's weird, like, Deliverance is Ned Beatty's first film. And he's amazing in it. That's his first movie. Yeah. Oh my and God. then just a few years later, you know, he's doing all he's doing. He's uh, network and Nashville Superman. And and that, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, so I guess like I was saying, I wish that I didn't have any sort of preconceived notions of what the movie was. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, even if you don't even know what deliverance is, like, you know, the, the dueling banjo song. Na, 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 na. And you know that it's like, I mean, even when I was a kid, it was kind of just like, if if I was with, you know, a group of people out in the woods, like friends or like, you know, I was in the Boy Scouts, so other kind of troops or whatever, you'd be out in the woods and someone would make that, you know, sing that yeah. song and they'd be like, oh, better watch out because, you know, you're going to get, going to get raped. 
<laughs> so I, I thought watching the movie, like, you know, they're out there and they hear the banjo off in the distance and they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> like, we better hide because I thought that was sort of like the calling card of like, you know, when you hear that out in the woods, like, better turn around because it's uh, it's dangerous. But then in the actual movie that... It's not it's like, like It's like the opening scene almost. Yeah. It's like when you're first meeting them and they, he just starts playing with that kid. And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's amazing. It's like a beautiful scene. Yeah, and then it gets creepy really at the end when the kid just like turns away from him. Mm-hmm. And, won't even know. and then you see the kid later on the bridge. And that, that man, that was that one shot that's like a close up on the kid yeah. from the perspective of the canoe as we're going underneath the bridge. Right. And it's just such a such an awesome, creepy, cool shot. And it's just like that bridge is like, it's like, oh, you don't want to go past here. <laughs> like the, he's just like looking at them like you're doomed. <laughs> and like maybe that again that's you know coming into the movie kind of knowing what happens but right like and it's funny like in the first one of the first lines of the movie they mention rape yep because uh the rape in the river they're raping the river they're raping the you know the valley or yeah, yeah. and you can't help but like knowing what's going to happen going in like you're like oh they're they're already talking about it <laughs> yeah and they're like, I mean, they are society going out to the country for some fun. Mm-hmm. And then they get raped by the country, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like their society is, is, I mean, the whole reason, aren't they doing it to help out Atlanta or something? Isn't that the reason they're uh, flooding that valley or something like that? I don't know. They kind of just sort of, they talk about it briefly at the beginning, I think. And they never really. I kind of missed what they were. Basically, it's saying, like these four guys go out there and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna have some fun out here." And everyone they meet is like, "We're about to lose our home." Like, yeah, <laughs> it's great that you're out here having this great time, but fuck you. Like, this is all we have, and we're about to lose it. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. And Bert. Oh, um, on someone's side note, I just thought of this. Uh, Burt Reynolds outfit that he wears I remember last week we, I mentioned John Borman directed Zardoz Yeah he right said Sean Connery wore something like the leather vest type mm-hmm. thing And then in Exorcist 2 Doesn't James Earl Jones have kind of that get up Is that a John Borman thing Everybody's got leather vests With bare chests Like I Oh yeah <laughs> Yeah James Earl Jones is like Some Off in that of, cave like, And he's like, like the African shaman Kind of pro- yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah I think he's got like, almost like a che- Maybe like a cheetah print or like yeah. it's like it's like uh, animal skins. I think he's wearing. Well, I I looked at um, yeah, Burt Reynolds in this movie, and he just looked like Sean Connery from Zardoz. Yeah. It's weird. And this might be the earliest thing I've ever seen him in. Or this was the same year as Everything You Always Want to Know About Sex, but we're afraid to ask, which he has a small part in. But um, I think this is the early. The only other movie. That I've ever even thought of watching before this with him was Navajo Joe, but I've, I've never actually seen that one. So this is like, I mean, people knew him from like TV things he'd done, but this is kind of like his star making thing. And he gives a really great performance yeah. too. He's, you, you know, you always like to watch him whenever he's, you know, on screen. He's a he just has jackass. such a commanding, yeah. And it's like, you kind of like are like, Oh, this, this guy, this asshole. But at the same time, like he's, you know, he's kind of treating the locals maybe a little rough, but he's not, like, meaning them any harm. And uh, and he's not being... I mean, Ned Beatty is just being, like, really condescending towards all of them yeah, in the early yeah. scenes. And, and John Voight's kind of, like... We haven't even mentioned John Voight yet. He's, like, the center of the movie, really. Yeah, he he is the... I would say the main character. Yeah. And um, he's just kind of, like... Yeah, the center of it all. And Ronnie Cox, I'd never really seen him in anything. I I checked IMDb, and I've seen a couple other movies he's been in, but I don't remember him in those movies. What other movies? Um, the only one I can think of right now is Bound for Glory. Yeah, And I don't even remember who he played in it. I'm assuming since he clearly can play the guitar, he probably played guitar with Woody Guthrie in that movie. But I mean, all four, <laughs> all four of them... I thought were uh, were really fantastic, and I, and I get the sense that like when they made the movie, 
they were really out there. I mean, they're in those canoes and they're going down those yeah. those rapids, and it's like it's pretty crazy. I can the way it's shot, you can't even fake it. Was I mean, I guess I think there were like a few shots where they used stun people, but so rare. Mm-hmm. Like even and, like shots of like you see when um when the when the canoes crash and they're going over the you know they're tumbling down yeah, the, that's the rapids like you see like <laughs> burt reynolds like doing some crazy shit in there like really like sliding down and flipping over and stuff it's crazy um so i i would it really feels like they they did a good job of capturing like a, a real sense of uh of realism with the way that they're all just sort of talking especially in the in like the opening scenes when like we're not even seeing them we're just hearing them talk and we're watching the cars go it has like a very natural quality to it. Yeah. And I just love the way that the whole intro um was was done. Where like even once they they stop their cars and they get out, like we're still far from them and we don't get like a good look of who they are until a little bit later when the um when the dueling banjo scene really happens. Um but just like the way that their the dialogue is, it, it just it really feels like they're they're really out on this adventure, and it seems like the actors probably really were. Yeah. And even when like they're um, barreling down the road, when um, Burt Reynolds and John Voight are in the car, and Burt Reynolds is driving, like he's actually driving. You can tell because yeah. you can see like the reflection on the windshield of the trees going by and stuff. Which you rarely see in films when people are driving. Yeah. Like. Usually, if that happens, you feel like, oh, they accidentally got a reflection in the shot. But mm-hmm. this one, clearly, it's just like they're just letting that reflection be there. Yeah, and at first, like, when I saw, like, some uh, some tree limbs hit them as they were going by, I thought, like, oh, they're just in one spot and someone's, like, you know, hitting them <laughs> with a tree limb. Um, but then I noticed the reflection. I'm like, oh, no, they're really going. And they're they're really bouncing. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, and just the look on uh, on their faces, you can tell that it's, like pretty crazy and it's so just stupid that that's even happening he's like oh these people are going to take us right to the spot but you know what i don't care i'm gonna find it on my own like i mean and it's a great introduction to that the way that character thinks the mm-hmm. reynolds character yeah because he's just like no one's gonna show me how to get there i can just sense it which i mean he eventually does find it yeah but i mean like how hard would it be to find that huge river i guess i kind of saw it more like he like it, like he, he mentions a few times later in the movie, like, oh, it's all a game, or we're just playing a game, and I felt like in those opening scenes, he's playing the the locals' game, where it's like he's sort of doing that because that's what the locals are, yeah, kind of that's what their attitude is, so he's kind of matching them, like when he uh, haggles for the for the price right. of you know, oh, we'll move this, move, I'll give you thirty dollars to move the car. And, um, you know, he says 50, he's like 50 my ass. Like, that's kind of just like the, I don't know. It's what the, the, what that guy, this local guy sort of wants from him in a way. I feel like he's matching attitudes. And when he like, he makes the wrong turn when they're trying to find the river and he backs up and the, the guys in the truck are like, where are you going city boy you know blah blah blah. it's like that's it's fun for them in a way it's like this sort of it's this game that they're playing were you surprised when at the end of the movie they find well not the end of the movie but towards the end of the movie they finally get to the end of the river and their trucks are actually there (laughs) well there's the part where like they they kind of reach the 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 section with the destroyed cars these old rusted cars and at first i thought that was like oh they that, that's what their cars yeah. are like they destroyed them Me right? too. <laughs> and i was like oh shit but then they weren't like acting that way so i'm like oh i guess those are just old cars that have been there so yeah i was expecting the cars to be not there but they were and i think it, you know and that kind of plays into what i was kind of just saying where it's like he he was on there he, he was on the same level as as they were yeah. he kind of gained their respect by being that sort of hard ass and also in having, um, you know, like the guys who drove the trucks down there, like in, when the trucks are actually there, it's like, oh, these people actually, it, it, the movie doesn't just say like, oh, all the people living in this area are evil and will rape you. Right. It's yeah. like, here's some like 
guys who are just like that's just the way they live and they're fine yeah like, and not... even like you know the, the the banjo playing kid i mean you know clearly you know maybe it looks like he's like inbred or something yeah but generally i mean they're all harmless and they're just living their lives and they're just doing their own thing it really is just the the two creepos in the woods and there's um there's a question um well like when john voight you know eventually kills the guy um they kind of I don't know, they kind of raise the question, like, is this even the guy? Which I think, I think it is. Because yeah, he just, I think it like, is, Because he goes up, oh my god, he has teeth, and it's like, oh, they're just dentures. Yeah. I've been reading reviews and stuff where they're like, oh, it's uncertain. And it's like, I mean... I mean, I, when when he, it shows up and you see him sort of holding the gun yeah. in silhouette, right? you think like, oh, like, the thought crossed my mind, like, is this the same guy? Yeah. You know, because, you know, he's got his arrow and he's ready to go but as soon as he turned around and pointed the gun at him i was like okay that is that is that guy because it looked like him and then he goes over and sees him and he's like oh no you know what have i done and he sees that he's just wearing the dentures and i mean it looks like him i think it is i think it is him but they did it i i I like how they kind of that whole situation was weird because like you don't hear a gunshot when um What's his name? The the guitar playing guy who when he gets killed when he gets killed when yeah. he falls off the boat. What was? Do you remember his character's name? I don't remember his character's name. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. Um, you didn't hear the shot. Is that what you were saying? Right. They say like you know he was shot. He was shot. Yeah. Burt Reynolds' character. Yeah. Is, is convinced like he was shot. That's why he fell. But like you watching it as the audience, you're like I didn't hear gunshot. But like they kind of convince. Uh, you know, John Voight, like, yeah, he, I guess he was shot, you know, he's still up there. So they kind of create that sort of paranoia. Yeah. So then when he does appear, when he, you know, on top of the, the cliff, you think like, is that really him? Because like, he wasn't shot, you know? And I like how it is kept kind of strangely ambiguous as to what exactly really did happen. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll get him to a doctor and they can tell if he was shot or not. At one point they say something like that. It's like, well, I think that was John Voight saying, like, if we bring him back, like, someone will know if this isn't a bullet, if it, that this isn't a uh, bullet wound, and that will, like, ruin our story. And that's why they sunk oh, him. Oh, the guy with the gun. That's... No. The guy that John Voight kills? You mean it'll be an arrow hole instead of a bullet hole? No, no, no. When oh. they find uh, Ronnie Cox's body. Yeah. And they're like, is this a bullet hole? Is this is this where he was shot? And they're like, I don't know. And, they, and then he says... Uh, if we bring him into town, someone will know, someone will be able to tell if this isn't a bullet hole, which is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So I, I, and then they sunk him. So I sort of thought that to be him meaning that, um, if they discover that it isn't a bullet hole, then it will ruin their story. Okay. But I don't know. They weren't thinking clearly. And their story kept changing, to, and yeah. it had to change towards the end, which... Really, it would have been better for them if they had kept his body. Yeah. But I think they were afraid that, like, if it was a bullet hole, then it would mean that... Then it would prove that they did kill these other two people. But I don't know. Really, it would it would have been better for them if they had taken the body with them. Because then they would could have just said like you know, he fell off in the rapids, and you know we found his body, he's dead, and that would give the police no reason to go searching the river. And like bringing up the whole like you know their stories that they're going with and like making stuff up. The initial incident when Burt Reynolds' character kills the guy and the other the rapist runs away and stuff like it ronnie cox's character is the only one who is like we have to tell the police and everybody else is like we have to cover this up this never happened and then of course ronnie cox's character is the one who ends up dying right 
I, I mean, honestly, I would not have been on his side. I would have been like, this never happened. Let's bury this. Like, where would you have stood with that? that well, that, that's, I, I, yeah, I kind of wanted to bring that up because it kind of, they made sort of a compelling, the situation was like, I mean, I, be, I believe in like, you know, standing up for the truth whenever possible, regardless right. of what the truth is. Like the truth must always sort of yeah. lead your decisions. But in that situation, like, I can see how it's, like, is anybody ever going to find this body, you know? Especially after they flood. The, I mean, they could, they'll bury it, and then there's going to be, like, a lake on top of it. Yeah. And, I mean, regardless of the hand that comes up, although that might not be his hand, that might be the other guy. That could be anybody's hand in John Voight's dream at the end. Right. <laughs> um there is no like right answer for that. It's just it's kind of like well, what would you do? In and that situation? he was, a, you know, I mean, he was a rapist. <laughs> yeah. Who was very, uh, you know, we're, no, I don't think anyone's shedding tears that he's dead. Um. Well, his his family, his brother-in-law. Right. right. We're not sure who. Like at the at the end, there's the character. They say like, "Oh, his brother-in-law is missing. He was out hunting." Mm. We don't know if his brother-in-law actually was one of those two guys, or if it was which of them. I'm right, sure it yeah. was, but it's like a lot of the stuff in this movie. It's ambiguous, and it's hard to say like what what the right thing to do would be. I mean, really, the right thing to do would be to bring the body back and explain the situation, right? Because it is justifiable. Yeah. Um. They had a weapon, they were attacking their friends, and he was just about to do something when Burt Reynolds shot that arrow. And, and John I, Voight's face when he sees yeah. Burt Reynolds coming out of the river is was, amazing. It was like, pretty great. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I can see being in that situation, I can imagine myself not really knowing what to do. But I think, like, burying the body, like, it just sort of, it it could create more problems later. If yeah. it is ever found, because it is, it, the act of burying it is some form, is an admission of guilt. Right. Even though, like, they weren't guilty of anything wrong. I mean, they were the victims. It's just, uh, and at the same time, um, you know, Ned Beatty, he didn't want the truth revealed because he was, you know, embarrassed about about it. He didn't want it. I mean, this is 40 years ago, and, you know, there's still trouble with, like, you know, like uh, the way people look at rape victims in our society, mm-hmm. and so especially imagine, like, like 40 especially years homosexual. Ag- yeah, so like forty years ago, a man being raped, it uh, just would like, have been yeah, he probably never would have been able to live it down. So I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to to say exactly what would be more beneficial in the long run to just forget that it never happened or to drag it back with them and deal with everything that goes along with that. Um, so after I watched the movie, I looked on uh, Wikipedia real quick and just read some stuff about it. And one of the things I thought was interesting is um, I read an excerpt from Roger Ebert's review of the movie at the time, and he criticized the the rape scene, actually, as being... Um, sensational and exploitative um, and sort of unnecessary. He said like you could, you could have told the same story without having to show this, this rape scene and it was just gratuitous. Um, What do you, what do you think? Do you think it was, uh, do you think it was gratuitous or sensational or do you think it actually was uh, sort of inherent to the story? I think in showing it in the fashion that they did it, brought the audience into it more and they could have you know left more of it up to the imagination but i don't think it would have been as powerful i mean they don't really show you anything right it's not like like they like had a hardcore scene with <laughs> ned Beatty, like yeah which i mean that could have been done at the time that was i would when i i actually did some wikipedia research also <laughs> And I looked up, you know, the list of uh, the top 25 um, grossing films of 1972, and Deliverance is on there, and the film right above it is Behind the Green Door, and the one right behind it is Deep Throat, you know, two huge, hardcore pornographic films in Mm. 1972, and Deliverance right in between them with, you know, 
simulated uh, anal rape. It's kind of odd. I mean, so, you know, they could have done that, I guess. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think uh, I think the, I think it was justified in having it in there as as a plot development. Yeah, because it gives like it because the, really the, what the movie is about is dealing with the consequences of the murder mm-hmm. and and the and the lies that are built on top of it. And, um, so, and I think like to, to basically get the characters to the point where like, they're going to kill somebody else yeah, and have it like justifiable in that way to the audience that really creates this ambiguous sort of feeling of like, well, what should we, what is the right thing to do? I mean, there aren't many situations that you can sort of put those two hillbillies in to make them as despicable and you know as they are i mean and that's definitely that's one way to do it i think it it definitely it's it's certainly shocking um but i think it was justified and it also you know it grows into the the overall theme of the film of like masculinity right these four city boys are going out into the woods and they're Mm -hmm. gonna tame and they're gonna show like we're men we can handle this and then you get fucked in the ass. Yeah. And which I mean, not to be like, oh, people who get fucked in the ass aren't men. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. I mean, generally speaking, the that's traditional not sort the, of yes. image of what a man is does not usually include, uh, you know, that sort of activity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <All right. laughs> You know, and we're dealing with people like, yeah. you know, Burt Reynolds and these, like, you know, these macho men. Yeah, Burt Reynolds was a um, a Playgirl centerfold. He was, he was, uh, oh, I don't know if he was, really? I don't know if he was the first, he was one of the first. Oh. <laughs> We've got some homework to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually We've seen... got to get to the bottom of this Playgirl thing. <laughs> I haven't actually seen, uh... The, the pictures uh, I mean I've seen them with like little smiley faces over certain parts of them <laughs> my girlfriend Kayla who's in the room she's saying that she has seen them <laughs> <laughs> good to know <laughs> um but yeah I overall I, I'm I'm kind of like I think it's almost a shame that like the rape scene kind of overshadows the whole movie. Especially when, you know, when you hear about out of context, that actually seen the movie, you just hear people saying, squeal like a pig, squeal like a pig. And it's this big joke. Yeah. And in the movie itself, it's this like horrible scene that's painful to watch. Yeah. And I, I think the movie is, is just, it's so much better than, uh, cause it, it, cause it's not about like, the rape you'd think like in my mind beforehand like i thought it was like you know oh these guys like they get captured by these hillbillies and are just repeatedly raped and yeah raped and they have to escape and like that's what the movie's about it's like them having to like escape it's almost like a wolf like, creek type movie yeah this just... this you know hell that they're sort of subjected to and it's not that at all it's something totally different it turns more so into like almost almost like a courtroom drama in a way where it's like you know they're having to maintain their story against scrutiny and like you know building all these different lies and certain scenes almost played it played out like a like a stage play like i i can imagine it being like certain things um being presented yeah on in like a in that kind of theater context like the argue like when when they're like the arguments they're argue, having, yeah like arguing trying to yeah. like you know figure it trying to decide what to do and then when they get back um to civilization and they're trying to hide their story and stuff um not so much the whitewater <laughs> yeah that rapids. would be difficult to put a chance yeah, but i mean yeah, there's a challenge you can get some cardboard water and have people moving it along on the stage. <laughs> like, we're out in the wilderness. Uh, I don't know, Broadway is working its way through every movie ever made to make a musical out of it, so... <laughs> Deliverance. Deliverance coming, coming, coming to Broadway. <laughs> Deliverance the musical. At last. With hit songs like Squeal Like a Pig. 
Um, anyway, what's weird is like, you know, the, the whole rape scene that's, you know, such a disturbing scene, but the, the most disturbing image in the whole film that keeps popping up in my mind is when they find Ronnie Cox's body. Oh yeah. With the he's arm, just like, like sit around his neck. And he's yeah, like, definitely. Just horribly mangled. Which is actually just, he could do, the actor could do that with his arm. He could like he, dislocate his yeah, shoulder. Yeah, he dislocated his shoulder and put his arm around there and then they just like. I was wondering how the hell they yeah. did that because like you can tell that it is dislocated. Yeah. Because you can see like the ball sort of like, you know, and it, yeah, really, really creepy. So he actually just pop it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's better than just having like a dummy there Definitely. that would kind of look like him or like shoot him in some sort of way to cover it up. But it's just, I don't know, a very haunting image. They just cut, there's their friend that they've been looking for. And he's mm-hmm. just, you know, there was still that sort of, I mean, they were pretty sure, yeah, he's dead because, you know, they didn't find him. But like, you know, then it's just like rammed home for them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Another shot that, <laughs> I that was, sort of shocking to me it was when um john voight is lowering that the guy with the gun lowering his body off of the cliff right because i mean like it certainly looks like they're in this real location and he's just tied onto this rope being dangled over this cliff it just seemed kind of crazy to me i mean i mean well the actor that they buried they actually buried the actor in that shot Although that's not quite as dangerous being lowered over a cliff, but you know, still stuff could happen. Yeah, I, I I appreciated the the kind of the realness of everything. Yeah. I mean, they were really kind of just doing all this crazy stuff. So yeah, that was uh, that was Deliverance. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So what uh, what do you think we should watch next week? I don't know. Um, I kind of I I kind of like. Um, the idea of doing more movies from the seventies. Okay. Um, because that was, I don't know that this movie, I feel like movies like that, like deliverance, like aren't really made today, like in the way that this was done. Right. Just, I feel like if, if this, if it was like remade or, or, you know, if this story was say this movie didn't exist and they're adapting this, the, the book like today, I feel like it would just be done in a completely different kind of way. And um, I don't know I like the. I feel like it wouldn't have like the, the, that kind of realness that we've been talking about. For some reason, I just, I just don't think that it's like an aesthetic that a lot of modern movies go for. Everything, everything these days like is just so clean, and like the cinematography is so clean. I just feel like uh, I don't know something is kind of missing from stories like this. I agree. It reminded me of like, um, like Deer Hunter. Yeah. Um, it made me want to watch Deer Hunter actually. A movie that I haven't seen the whole thing. I've only seen some of it. What uh, What have you seen of Deer Hunter? Um, the beginning. Um, the Russian roulette scene. And I think the end. <laughs> So maybe the whole thing. Wait, I mean, by the beginning, do you mean the whole like forty-five minute um, wedding scene, or well, or hour, however long it is? is ve- it I know, film? I know, like the very beginning where like it's they're in like a bar. I think is that the wedding scene, they're, or it's like the night before the wedding, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, and like before they go out hunting, and they um, or no, they go to the bar and they 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 hear um, what is it um can't keep my eyes off you and Christopher Walken singing along, which See, for some reason that always sticks out in my head. Yeah, I don't know. It was, a, it was a while ago and I only remember sort of bits and pieces of it. When was that movie made? 78. 78. So six years later. But for some reason it reminds me of... It, Deliverance reminded me of it. I think because it's sort of like, you know, this group of like four guys. I, I don't know how many guys are in uh, Deer Hunter. That go to Nam or like the whole yeah that go that go to Nam is it just um, the two? There's De Niro, Christopher Walken, and uh, John Savage. Was it just the three? I think it was just the three of them. Yeah, because um, John Cazale stays home, 
And I always forget that guy's name. Something Zunza. Whatever. Like, the, the big guy. He stays home. But, like, the idea um, of, you know, this group of guys going out to do this, uh, this sort of manly thing, I guess. And uh, it going horribly wrong. Yeah, and it just destroys them in different ways. Yeah. Um, All right, so this will be the depressing month <laughs> on our podcast, then. We'll just pick movies where guys go out to do manly stuff, and it <laughs> destroys them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I mean, like, there's movies from the 70s that I... Um, like, I've never seen uh, Midnight Cowboy. 69 that's 69 okay wow but i mean there's another john Voight. it's part of that whole like yeah Mm -hmm. like the new hollywood thing and i've never seen easy rider also 69 so i don't know i feel like those all kind of fit in in my mind in some way it's like easy rider and midnight cowboy sort of like the beginning of the era and the deer hunter sort of like the beginning of the end so we watched them out of order is basically what you're saying Hmm? We watched them out of order. We watched like, them? It, well, because we started with Deliverance. So if oh, we wanted yeah, to yeah. watch them in order, we would have started with... with Either Easy Rider from, or Midnight Cowboy. Right. Yeah. You could do Easy Rider, then Midnight Cowboy, and then Deliverance, because you got the John Voight connection. And then cap it off with Deer Hunter. <laughs> I don't know if, <laughs> if those four movies make any sense together, but in my mind, like they kind of do. I mean, they're... Um... They've got stuff to do with each other, and I feel like if I, if I, you haven't seen that, I don't want to talk about what they have in common. Mm-hmm. Aside from, yeah, they were all like, well, not so much The Deer Hunter, but, you know, Midnight Cowboy and Easy Rider were sort of revolutionary films. Um, I mean, Midnight Cowboy is the only film to ever win Best Picture that was rated X. Really? I think so. Can you name another one? <laughs> <laughs> Big booty bitches, volume two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's now um, rated R, and nothing was cut from it. It's just you know different times, different. And I mean X doesn't even exist anymore anyway. So they should they should bring back the X rating. NC-17 just doesn't have the same people. Kind of well, that's the problem. People would put X on things all the time because they never copyrighted the ratings. So people would just advertise their films as X-rated, but they weren't even rated anything. Ah. And also, because of that, there were so many, like, you know, like, pornographic films out there that said X all over them. People were like, oh, well, people just associate X with pornography. Right. And there's a lot of films that get the X and rating like that aren't like that. now there's, like, the triple X. Yeah, which X, doesn't... X, X. What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've, it's weird. I've never seen just a double X. Yeah, I've either. seen X and triple X. <laughs> But I don't know. Um, the fabled quadruple X. <laughs> but yeah, then NC-17 was invented, and then that was in vain, because now people just assume that's sex, and there are still these like puritanical newspapers that refuse to carry ads for movies that are rated NC-17, which is why all the studios try to get R... Well, they try to get PG-13 to get the widest possible audience. For some, but, for, you know, some movies. Yeah. For like, a good amount of them. But, but there are some that, like, you know, they they know that it's never going to be PG thirteen, and they're it's not it's, they're not aiming at that demographic right. of like you know the teenager. But they'll still make they'll make like a few cuts to get like an R. Or if the the film if the budget for the film is big enough, the MPAA knows that it might affect their industry if the film doesn't make enough money back. So they'll be like, okay, well. You, you big budget epic, you can be R, but this independent film who has never given us anything, they're NC-17, and then they lose a lot of revenue. <laughs> but, like, the, the big guys, they make their money. Yeah, really, I mean, like, it'd be better if thing, if movies could just, if it was more acceptable for a movie to just be rated NC-17. Yeah, because be why like, not? All right, well, yeah, NC-17. There's really no difference between that and, like, an R. Because, I mean... An R is like it's restricted. You need if you're seven if you're under seventeen, like you need a guardian with you. I think if you're under seventeen, you're watching your movies online. 
That's true. Like, I, <laughs> like if you really want to see them, you just... You just download it. Yeah, like, if, if you're under 17, you're like, oh, I can't... And I don't even... I don't really know why so many of the people working in theaters enforce those. It's not a law. The MPA is not a legal organization. It was, you know, organized so that the government wouldn't, wouldn't have any that. say over exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so, well, so they were. So the movie industry was like, well, we're, we'll regulate ourselves. Yeah. Like if I worked in a movie theater and I saw some people who, like, you know, I thought they could handle it, I just like, sure, come on in. But I mean, <laughs> maybe I'd lose my job <laughs> if people were watching. I don't know. I don't care. Um, I'm sure it comes down to like a liability thing where they, if, if the parents found out, then like you let a nine-year-old in, in to see this rated R movie. But again, it's like there's no law about that. So like, I don't know. There's no official like definition of an R-rated movie. Like somewhere there's like a list of like, you can say fuck a certain number of times in a PG-13, and you can see so many nipples. Or something like there's like a I don't know some sort of ratio. Yeah, there is there is no mostly real it's guideline. left up to just some random people in a room saying like oh yeah. this is weird I I give it an NC seventeen. Have you seen the documentary? This film is not yet rated. No. It's all about the. Do you know anything about it? Have you heard? Yeah, I I think I saw yeah. um a clip where they're talking to Kimberly Pierce who directed um Boys Don't Cry and the Carrie remake which we still haven't seen. Yeah, we, we talked about, like, hey, next time on the podcast, maybe we'll watch that. Like, yeah, we didn't. Um, <laughs> maybe one day we'll watch it. I think it's still in theaters. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, anyway, I guess for people who don't know, that the movie, um, this film is not yet rated. It's a documentary about the MPAA. And it, they interview a lot of filmmakers who have had to deal with them trying to, like, get their they'll make a movie and they'll get it rated and the rating will come back as an nc-17 and so the and they'll be like oh you need to cut this this and this and this and so then they'll like take the movie back re-edit it and then send it back to get re-rated because they're trying to get an r because the nc-17 rating is like the mark of death basically for for a film because yeah you won't get any advertising you won't get any you know no marketing you're just sort of doomed. And I think um, you had mentioned Army of Darkness earlier. I'm pretty sure it was rated R, or at least it was going to be rated R. I don't know how it actually ended up, but I remember one of the very first issues of Fangoria that I ever got. Like, I started reading Fangoria around that time when that movie came out, like, 92, 93. And, um, wow, I was very young. I was just thinking, doing the math there. Anyway, but yeah, 92, 93. <laughs> um, and I remember, like reading this is like the first time i ever really heard about any sort of mpaa thing and it's like sam raimi complaining about how like well bec- like the mpaa was mad at us because we released the first evil dead i think also the second evil dead um without a rating they didn't submit it to the board ah. and then because of that they were like well then you get an r Even for army of darkness like, which army is darkness, like if that makes absolutely it's no such sense. a it's a kid-friendly like fantasy monster movie almost i mean it's you know it's got i think it's, it it's has, got a bite to i it. think it's got a pg-13 yeah and actually you know in the director's cut like there were maybe a few uh more instances of swearing maybe that maybe that was stuff that they had to cut out yeah um like does ash say get the fuck out of my face in the regular version I, it's been a long time i don't know because <laughs> i didn't remember that but I think one fuck that's still PG thirteen. I yeah. think I really don't know. I'd, it's left, and it would have been different twenty years ago. It's completely ambiguous, and it's left up to who knows who. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So I guess next week we'll watch one of those movies we discussed, or Tootsie. <laughs> Why Tootsie? I don't know. Just random movie that popped into my head. Let's not watch Tootsie. Because it also deals with questions of masculinity. masculinity. Ah, gotcha, yeah. But so does Midnight Cowboy. And The Deer Hunter. Uh, and maybe Easy Rider. Sure. How many weeks do we have in November this year? We've got four. So we got Deliverance, Easy Rider, Midnight Cowboy, and uh, The Deer Hunter. We should watch Midnight Cowboy next because John Voight got the connection. John Voight <laughs> <John Boy> connection. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I have I've that. I have that movie on DVD actually, and I just haven't, I've just never got around to watching it. 
The only one I don't have of the ones we've just mentioned is uh, Easy Rider, though I've seen it before. I'd love to get the Criterion of it in the BBS box set. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't it released on Criterion, but uh, it's, yeah. in, it's in like a box set? Yeah. Um, oh, I forget what it's... Oh, America Lost and Found, the BBS story. Um, and it's just all the movies that were put out by BBS, like Head. You're right. right. I love Head. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> I love the monkeys film called Head. It's a great <laughs> movie. Um, and some other good films. Yeah. Cool. Well, so I guess um, we'll see you next time with Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Talking Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Tim. And we'll see you next time.